This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put oh, he's the one. Pussy up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, sitting here recording on a Tuesday because I am probably going to be in the fetal position come this time on Wednesday. Uh... (laughs) Sitting with me here, we'll explain more of that. Uh, sitting with me here is Mike Craven in Austin, Texas. Mike, how you doing? Doing pretty good. I think we should just leave it at that. Like, do not explain it. Give no <laughs> more context. And just see, see if people figure out why that is. Check just check my Twitter account tomorrow, Tuesday, yeah. uh, Wednesday at two, and you'll 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 understand. Uh, either I'm the happiest person in the world or most likely I am very, very upset and will be for the rest of the day. So uh, no Mallory today. She is swamped with uh, produce associate producer stuff. Uh, I believe the softball playoffs are starting. So they have to find a way to get all those games on air. So uh, yeah, so that's what she's been taking her time with. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we're going to get into some draft talk. We do have some spring games. We're going to, Last couple of spring games we want to recap. Of course, we recapped a lot of the big guns last week, but we do still have two a Power Five and then two Group of Five schools uh, who played theirs this past weekend. Uh, but first, we do want to get into a little bit of draft talk. Nothing crazy. We're not a draft podcast, but I think in particular with obviously with the draft coming up this one this uh, Thursday, I should say the first round coming up on Thursday. Uh, Craven had a piece out about the Texas players that could be drafted kind of ranking them and one in particular has been kind of skyrocketing the stocks. Um, So Tyree Wilson from tech, we knew, I mean, obviously he didn't finish the season because he got hurt and then he declared for the draft because he was a guaranteed first at the very least first round pick. Um, He started to skyrocket into that top 20, 15, top 10 post combine post everything like he's been i mean let's put it this way we talked before the before we started recording the odds right now have him the number 2 player most likely to go number 2 overall right now will levis which is another interesting smoke screen i don't know storyline um he's the favorite right now at pl- uh, plus 150 and tyree wilson's right behind him tied right now with will anderson from alabama at plus 300. He is the odds on favorite to to go uh number 3 overall at plus 300. So I mean, first of all, you're you are the the betting expert here. What is having a lot of people throw just so much money on Wilson? And I don't know if it's like is it Wilson in a vacuum or is it Levis and all of a sudden they sense something's kind of going up. So therefore Wilson's kind of jumped up too. Do you think it's kind of a domino effect or do you think people are hearing something on Wilson and then jumping on him? Now, some of it's just bandwagon stuff because the draft is so weird and there's so many smoke screens and you don't know if the team's telling you the truth because it's the truth or mm-hmm. if they're leading you down a foxhole just to, to get a smoke screen going. Same with the agent. 
agent, same with the players. And so uh, it's a lot of guessing. Um, I would imagine Tyree is expected to go number two or number three because, you know, just the the coaches up there and what those guys need and mm-hmm. they'll, they'll be in defensive coaches in Houston and stuff. Um, you know, he's an interesting case, though, like a late bloomer, played at West, West Russ. Uh, so a smaller school, East Texas guy, went to A&M. I uh, didn't really find his way there into a starting lineup. And it just really exploded uh, this year as a senior under Tim DeRuiter, who always has good edge rushers back to like Von Miller at A&M, right? Mm-hmm. And so Calvin Thibodeau at Oregon, just a guy who's always been excellent with edge rushers, just unlocked his potential. And he's going to be excellent. I think he still has his best football in front of him. And his length, he's one of those guys that like he could jab you from across the ring. You know, his yeah. arms are just so long uh, that allows him an advantage against any offensive lineman. He can get to them before they can get to him. And so uh, he's going to be a good NFL player. And it would be nice to see what D'Amico Ryans could do uh, with him. Just, you know, you looking back at the 49ers defense and what they had at defensive end. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that I wonder if maybe his size, because obviously it, it, for a long time, it seemed like Will Anderson or Jalen Carter was going to be the first. A defensive player off the board and Tyree Wilson kind of forced himself into that conversation. And I wonder if, like you mentioned, the size is just so intriguing to people because like he's, he's taller than Jalen. He's both bigger and taller than, than Will Anderson. Right. Um, Jalen Carter, of course, is a, is a different player, uh, interior lineman. So there's that intrigue obviously. But when you look at somebody like the size of what is he? Six, six two sixty something like that of, of Tyree Wilson um, that does. And like you mentioned, such a late bloomer, I mean, you you cover the recruiting circles, right? You can't teach size. And so, like, you can teach him. He's obviously learned a lot in his time at in, in Lubbock and under Tim DeRuiter. But, like you mentioned, his best ball is still ahead of him, and he is not yet even probably realized his potential as far as his size goes. So, yeah, I think that if you draft somebody like a Will Anderson, you're probably expecting, you know, rightfully so, franchise, pass rusher, potentially really good, reliable. But I think that next level of, like, dominance when it comes to that size combination is what maybe has uh, teams kind of really looking at Tyree Wilson as, like, a true cornerstone franchise player. I think if you look at Will Anderson and just being in Alabama and the perception of that program, maybe he's closer to his ceiling than mm-hmm. a Tyree Wilson is, who's just starting to figure out what that is. You add the added weight, he can get to 275, 280 and, and be a three down defensive end. That can be a, a legit option, not only as a pass rusher, but a true force in the run game can play in a three, four can play in a four, three. So he's got some versatility there. Uh, and then those long arms and the pass rushing skills, you know, if, if quarterback is the most important position in football, edge rusher is the second. And so uh, if you're not going to get a quarterback at number two, if you're the Texans, the best, the next best thing is to get one that can go disrupt a quarterback. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see what he, what happens with him, but he won't drop out of the top five. And so, you know, we'll probably have, you know, two former Texas high school players in the top 10, Christian Gonzalez uh, from Oregon, also up there, Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, who went to Ohio state. Mm -hmm. Probably gets his name called maybe Quentin Johnston on the back end of round one. So potentially four uh, former Texas high school football guys uh, get drafted Bijan Robinson, you know, if we're looking at, at, at Texas college ties. And so uh should be a pretty fun Thursday should have four or five familiar names called uh, on the first yeah. night. Yeah. And that's always, you know, that's, that's kind of shown the, the, kind of the resurgence of the sport in the state. Cause that hasn't, you know, we, there was that lull period in the, the 2010s where, you know, it was like if AM didn't have a pass rusher going, it just seemed like a Texas player wasn't being drafted or a Texan wasn't being drafted. So, um, yeah, so that's definitely a, a good thing to keep an eye on. 
uh yeah especially kind of how uncertain it, it is like the panthers seem to obviously be zeroing in on bryce young but like somebody like Bijan robinson is like oh yeah the eagles like him at 11 and it's like what or 10 is like oh that high and it's like some players some people have dallas taking him late you know like it's just like there's this year's the first year in a while where they've been there's been such a variance not only with i think tyree wilson's like a good summary of that but it's just been so many different projections where we don't know what teams are going to be coming into the top five right there's been like a lot of people mocking trades coming in so um this is gonna be the probably the most interesting first round i think as as far as i can remember because um there doesn't seem to be a consensus either way of like who the best defensive player is who the best quarterback is who the best you know lineman is things like that so i think at least for the first time in a while, I'm actually going to be pretty interested to see what happens with the with this first round. So we'll see how this goes. I think the Bajan thing's interesting because it it's two football schools of thought colliding. There's the yeah. idea of you don't take running backs early, but also positionless football. And Bajan Robinson's not just a running back; he can right. be Christian McCaffrey, he can be a slot receiver, he can be Debo Samuel's, but like better at running the football and better after the catch. And so. Uh, I don't know if he's considered just a true running back. And so there's probably 10 teams, 15 teams in the league that see Bijan Robinson as a top 10 pick. And there's probably 10 or 15 teams that see Bijan Robinson as a late first round pick because of his position and how they still value that, uh, uh, the running backs and and all that. So uh, for him, I I feel like the variance is huge. I've seen him as high as eight to Atlanta and Mm -hmm. as low as 26 to the Cowboys or whatever that pick is. And so, Um, you know, if you're, if you lasted 26 and you're Dallas, I mean, you, you run to the podium, right? I mean, you probably trade up a couple spots and get him if he's still around 22, 23. Uh, But I think that'll be interesting as well, because of just how analytic based this has become and what Mm -hmm. we look at as running backs and does Bajan count as a running back or does he just count as an offensive playmaker? We'll find out Thursday night with the NFL things. Yep. Especially because there doesn't seem to be anybody else in his, as far as like, we can talk about running backs or playmakers. Like there doesn't seem to be anybody else within his classification really in this year. So, I mean, the next one's like Jameer Gibbs or something. So yeah, he might be a kind of a unicorn this year. So um, yeah, we'll keep an eye out on that. We'll probably, we'll talk more about uh, those storylines next week on next week's show. Uh, another plug for Craven's piece on the top 25 draft prospects with NFL ties or Texas ties, I should say. Um, and yeah, go give that a read. If you want a quick breakdown of everybody you should be paying attention to come Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. All right. Let's get into these last couple spring games. Um, let's start off with the one, in my opinion, that at least in my opinion, had people at least a nice little sigh of relief from uh, particularly in Denton. Uh, Chandler Rogers seemed to have a pretty good <laughs> spring game at UNT. Uh, and it was the first time where I think a lot of people were like, Okay, I think we have the guy. Like it, <laughs> it, it very much was like uh he had a, he had like a 22-yard run and again it's it's spring game they're not always going to be, you know, the, the most indicative, but it was it was obviously things that he wouldn't be able to show in a typical practice. Um so yeah, uh Craven, what, just what were your thoughts on that? It was the first look at Eric Morris's offense. Uh from what I saw it looked it it showed enough variety, right, to where it was differentiating itself from the past. Um Brett Vito also mentioned how it was different from his teams of the past, maybe how it could look like something different going forward, which could be an indication of the talent they have in the backfield, maybe um, that he inherited. So what were your kind of your thoughts from the, uh, from the UNT spring game? 
The sigh of relief we all heard on Saturday was the coaching staff in Denton, America, because <laughs> the hope all spring was, well, when this becomes live or as live as it can in the spring, that's when Chandler Rogers is going to be at his best. Maybe the way practices are built doesn't show off all the skills that he can do. You know, one of one of the his best traits is that he's able to move around and not just run, uh, but run in the pocket, scramble around and buy some extra time and, and do some stuff off script. And so uh, in spring, that's hard to do, especially when you're doing install and you're learning a new coaching staff, you're learning a new scheme and they're learning you and they want to keep it as uh, predictable and, and uh, controlled as possible. I think on Saturday, we saw you know what he can do with the offense. And I do think North Texas is going to be a lot more run-based this year from the quarterback position and with that stable of running backs than maybe an Eric Morris team usually is. Mm -hmm. And we'll see how he can adjust to that because, you know, I think there's one thing with offensive coaches and they like doing what they do. And it can be hard sometimes to like rein yourself in and go, okay, we got to keep running the ball. We got to keep running the ball when when you want to go spread it around and have a lot of fun that way. But I just don't know if they have a quarterback that's capable of doing that. I think Chandler is going to be fine. I believe he'll be the starter uh, by week one, but he's not somebody who's going to throw the ball 50 times. He's not Cam Ward. You know, he's a different level of quarterback than that. And so uh, they're going to have to do it in different ways. But the good news for North Texas, they have the running backs to do that. They have three guys that have ran for a thousand yards in college before. And they have five dudes that they can really count on in the running game. Um, And so I think they're going to be fine at running back because it's going to be a little bit different offense than maybe uh, Morris is used to calling. Yeah, honestly, it might be a different offense than they may get in other years of Morris, right? Because, you know, he may just have like, oh, 100%. I, just have, I just have all this talent. I might as well use it. I'm not going to kick these guys off. Um, I might as well see what I can do. And I think that's going to be kind of interesting because it could set, you know, this could be an anomaly and they go back to more what he's what he kind of ran at UIW. Or this could be something where it's like, well, actually, I kind of like having one or two. You know, he's he's a young offensive mind who's still adapting his own philosophies. And so it could be something where it's like, yeah, I like having three running backs, two running backs that I can just kind of cycle in and out. And, you know, they can do different things as well. So I don't know. That That's kind of one of the fascinating things about this UNT team is we kind of have an idea of what they want to run, but the roster it wasn't drastically different in terms of philosophy, but like obviously set the trail. Like we always used to say, he was a former wrestler. He's an interior guy, fullback. Right. Um, and so he liked to run the ball. So this team is like a, made up of people uh, of skill sets who are physical and not typically the ones you see of the the traditional air raid. So yeah, that's going to be kind of an interesting marriage over the next, I'd say at least a year or two, definitely this year. I can't, I can't remember which of those air guy said it i want to say it was holgerson but i don't want to misquote yeah. him but one of them said like once you go running back you never go back or something like that you know <laughs> right um because leach kept kicking guys out of the air raid i think for, i think it was holgerson. I think holgerson got much. kicked out because he was running the ball too much and so you're right maybe that is one of those things where you know i think sunny dykes did it after cal mm-hmm. where you kind of you recalibrate what your thoughts are and stuff and maybe eric becomes a little bit more run heavy uh my belief though is that he goes back to what we saw at UIW in Washington State once he has the quarterbacks and and the wide receivers that he wants. Right, same, same. Uh, Let's go ahead and stick with the new coach uh, theme here. Texas State also had theirs as we round out the group of five. Um, There was some – Colton McWilliams, the the beat writer there at the San Marcos Daily Record, had a good thread of thoughts after the game. Um, And one of the common themes that I saw, I asked him and then I asked a couple other guys who were at the spring game, um, it was obvious that Texas state possibly didn't play their best quarterbacks last year. <laughs> um, they said the Malik Hornsby obviously looked like a great athlete. He, he flashed a lot. He's clearly the number one in their eyes, but they look, they said Chandler or CJ Rogers 
was like they said that was the best quarterback play they've seen like in like the last year and he was clear number two and it's not saying he was a world beater but that's saying wow they really stuck with a guy who was clearly not as good as the other guys in the quarterback room in lane hatcher last year so um, i wonder why yeah, I, I know, right, exactly. Was. Makes you makes you wonder some things. Um, another side note, Thomas Castellanos, a UCF transfer, was also at the game, uh, UCF transfer quarterback. So I don't know if that spells the end for Ty Evans. Um, if G.J. Kenny's just kind of loading up on bodies, he's going to be a sophomore with three years of eligibility left. So he was at the game. He took a picture with Coach, uh, G.J. Kenny after the game. But um, so, yeah, what, what, are your, what were your thoughts on that, especially the, the not necessarily Malik Hornsby, but the fact that they have a QB room who actually looks competitive as opposed to what we thought last year was one, quote unquote, uh, uh, one option and one kind of far away starter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they won't be playing favorites as much, you know, <laughs> obviously. And so, you know, I think that's good for Texas State, you know, from the clips I saw just being down in Austin, you know, the local news, you know, covers Texas State every now and mm-hmm. then. So, and you're able to get some some thoughts from guys around there, some video and stuff. And, um, you know, it just looked fun, right? It looked like there was energy. It looked like there was guys moving around. Ashton Hawkins had a couple of great catches and stuff in traffic. And so offensively, it feels like Texas State's going to turn the corner. And you hope, you know, they able, they're able to play defense really well again like they did last year. If they could score some more points, they're probably at six, seven wins last year. And maybe, you know, Kenny's not there. Maybe Spav is still there. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, with a with a more high-powered offense. And I think it's going to be the same thing that we were just talking about with Morris. How much does the offense look like what Kenny and Leftwich want it to look like long-term? Or how much does it look like the offense this year because Malik Hornsby is just a unique athlete who can do some different things that maybe you know some of the Lindsey Scott and some of the other quarterbacks they've had in those systems can't do. And so uh, I'm excited to see what Texas State is. The Sun Belt's always an exciting conference. It'll be fun to have a, a team in Texas that can maybe go and make some noise there and participate at the high level there and maybe compete for a bowl game. I don't know if it'll happen this year. Sure. Uh, it sounds like offensive line is a struggle, is, is a place that they're going to have to get better. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you're going to struggle with the offensive line, it's good to have a dude that can run like a 10-4-100 as your quarterback and, and they have one of those guys. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I agree with that. Um, I think that was all I had on Texas day. Yeah. Just a lot. It was like you said, it was, it just felt like a good, you know, it was like a typical spring game feeling where it's like a lot of, uh, a lot of fun, a lot of just good vibes coming out of it. Good way to end the spring. Uh, looks like they had a good turnout down there as well. All right. Let's get to the last two power five in the state. Let's start off with Lubbock. Uh, which I didn't realize. <laughs> I didn't realize. So uh, obviously their stadium is still getting worked on. Lowry. Yeah, it was at Lowry. I thought that was like the that was like the biggest awesome PR layup for Texas Tech. Where oh yeah, our stadium's getting worked on. So let's go play at Lubbock ISD. Uh, which of course is such a Joey McGuire move to do. Um, so yeah, I, I saw I saw quite a bit of interesting things coming out of here. I saw both quarterbacks looked solid. Um, it still looks like Tyler Shuck has the the, the small edge right now. Um, which doesn't shock me um really but it looks like both of them are going to really have a chance to compete Loic fungi it was a nice highlight from him uh he had a deep ball uh, i believe uh don williams of the lubbock avalanche journal said he missed some of spring with a hamstring injury so he was out there able to make a big play um on a on a deep shot i think it was from baron morton uh so yeah i mean it, it looked it looked fun like you mentioned it looked fun it looked like there was no real big at least from the spring game, the roster, you know, again, once we examine the roster, we'll ha- we'll talk. But no big glaring weaknesses or concerns right now. It just looks like a, a team kind of taking that next step in in uh, after a successful first season. 
Yeah, for me, uh, you know, the passing game is going to be the passing game. I mean, Zach Kittley, yeah. you know, could probably get us to throw for 300 yards a game just with right. that offense and stuff. And so, you know, guys are going to get open. Bradley's a good receiver. Fungie's coming on. Miles Price is back and healthy. And so, you know, those three guys right there are going to be really good. What excites me, though, is the running back room. Mm-hmm. You know, Taj Brooks um, is going to take a step forward this year. Uh, his legs are about this wide around. Like he, his legs <laughs> right. are probably as wide around as he is tall. You yeah. know, it, it feels like, you know, I was out there last week uh, for a couple of days because I got stuck in Lubbock. Uh, and so I ended up spending two days out there. And so, uh, you know, I, I was able to see that. What what I like about the running back room is last year with Shadar, Roderick, uh, with Shadar, uh, with Shadarik Thompson and Shadar Taj Brooks, <laughs> like you didn't, yeah, sorry. I have too many names in my head writing this magazine right now. When, with those two guys as your two running backs, <laughs> yeah. um, you're going to be you, – they run the ball pretty much the same. Like They have a same similar style of running. With Cameron Valdez now, the, the former Rockdale kid, mm-hmm. uh, they have kind of a thunder-lightning situation going, and he's going to add a different dyna- dyna- dimension uh, to that running game, be a, a better receiver out of the backfield. I think that's also something to look forward to with the Texas Tech offense. It's hard to tell spring games with defense, though. Yeah. Right, like we're going to talk about all these teams, but it feels like defense is just really hard uh, to gauge. I know linebackers probably the spot they're most concerned about, uh, but they feel pretty good about what's going on in Lubbock. It feels like the honeymoon's kind of just continued and rolled over into just real life, right. uh, you know, because every time I open up my email, there's a new construction project or something going on. Um, and so everything feels pretty good out in Lubbock. It'll be interesting to see kind of if they can keep those good feelings going. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we'll. I mean, we're we're talking with Greg Powers a lot about just like their recruiting momentum and some of the guys they're in for, and it's like, is this thing just going to keep going well for a while? Like, it's just like it feels like I don't know our our pessimistic minds, and and I don't know if we, if we were just like naturally paranoid from putting Joey and Jeff on the cover last year. It was like, well, this is going to stop some or at least slow down sometime soon. But yeah, like you mentioned, just keeps like it's, it's something something new every week. Um, and if this recruiting comes in. Hey. And like, I, I tell people, cause people, I go by all these schools. Like I went by 11 FBS schools in 20 days. And so mm-hmm. everybody, you know, is like, who's, who's good. Who's not. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I get the, a lot of times they'll let me watch a practice behind the scenes and that's right. cool. And but I'm not smart enough. I feel like I'm pretty football savvy, but I'm not smart enough to be like, this team is good. And that team is good based off like a practice or something. Like there's so many things that can happen, but I can tell you who's having a good time and whose vibes uh, feel good and whose right. don't. And yep. last week I went to like A&M and then I went to tech and back to back days. Yeah. And one didn't feel like the other, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And so like, I don't know if that becomes wins in the fall or not, uh, but that staff has a lot of fun. Those players seem to have a lot of fun. And that's got to count for something if you listen to head coaches talk about culture. No, 100%. I agree with that. Uh, let's speak about, let's talk about, lastly, a team with kind of a, a limbo culture, a culture in limbo, I guess is a better way to phrase that. Uh, Baylor, last one. Um, I saw, a lot, I don't know, I saw a lot of different different things. It's It's felt like, Quarterback-wise, nothing crazy. Uh, Blake Shapin looks like he's more or less still the guy. Sawyer Robertson did flash his arm a little bit, uh, flash kind of that that four-star potential that he had coming out of um, Lubbock Coronado. The wide receivers was one that I was actually kind of that kind of caught my eye. Apparently, Keetron Jackson and Monterey Baldwin actually really, really solidified themselves and really looks pretty solid. Hal Presley and Josh Cameron were also with the first team. So that could give them some, just some depth, not saying they have a Denzel Mims out there, but if they can just have 
four a lot three to four reliable bodies that can cycle in and out like that's that's going to be a massive boost for this passing game and for Blake Shapin where we kind of thought he had some inconsistencies in the passing game because you know if if the wide receiver room let's say he's stabilized or he's plateaued if the wide receivers get better then his numbers will get better regardless so um even if he's still the same quarterback i think the talent around him if they step up we mentioned richard reese all the time um that could be a net positive for the team defensively it seems like i don't know if there's like I don't know if there's a playmaker developing or if there's just a lot of guys right now. <laughs> Cause right now it seems like there's just a lot of guys. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on there? Cause I see, I saw a lot of names coming out of the defensive backfield, but nobody that was like, this guy is going to take the Jalen Petrie leap, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about the Baylor roster is how many transfers are going to be impact players this year. That's you know, Aranda avoided taking a lot of transfers after that 2021 year. And he feels it was a mistake from sitting there and talking to him. Uh, a week and a half ago, you know, he he talked about building bridges and that, you know, everybody sees you either see stuff from truth or you see stuff from love. Mm. And like he wanted to trust the guys on his roster that were already there to continue the success from 2021 because he comes from the love side of things. And maybe he sure. needs to build a bridge towards truth a little bit more and know that you know you need to get out. You got to win and, and you got to go get the players that are going to help you win, even if that, you know, maybe put makes it harder for, for guys you've invested in to get on the field. And you look at their top two deep or what their expected projected two deep is going to be. And there's, you know, eight to nine transfers in there that are, that are going to play significant roles. Uh, Dominic Williams uh, at running back is going to help out Richard Reese and Quaylen Jones. And I think that room is going to be good. You mentioned wide receiver and how much better they've gotten there. And they added Jake Roberts from North Texas at tight end to take mm-hmm. over from Ben Sims. Um, and so they're going to be good there. Um, you know, Drake Dan uh, Dabney's also back. And so like, they're going to be good on the edges and hopefully that helps Blake shape it because he has the tools to be an upper level quarterback in the big 12, maybe not a top 10 future NFL pick or something like that, but he can be a big 12 champion winning quarterback. We saw uh, them do it in 2021 with Gary Bohan and Blake Shapin. Uh, and so we know it's possible at Baylor. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be TCU or one of the sexy team. Quinn Ewers at Texas throwing the ball over the field. Like they're going to play their wide zone offense. They're going to run the football. They're going to be physical. They're going to play, try to play defense. And if he has some weapons and if he has a running game that can be consistent, I believe Blake Shaping can make the step forward to be, you know, a winning quarterback. Uh, maybe not like a game changing, go win you all the games by himself quarterback, but he's not going to be the reason that they lose if, if they can ca- take care of the football and get better on the, on the outside. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think that's a reasonable, uh, that's reasonable expectations. And you don't, I, I was that the expectations they had for him when they named him the starter prematurely last year? Probably not. But at this rate, you kind of have what you have. Um, and I think that's still, again, a big a conference winning quarterback is still very much what you'll take in any time you make a decision like that to to move on from an incumbent starter. Um, have you ever seen Indiana Jones? Yes. Okay, so Aranda, who I find just to be the fa- uh, the most fascinating person in the world, right. was talking yeah, about a, his biography one day. One day, I hope so. One, yeah, I would. I we end up because I get like thirty minutes with them, and we spend up talking like fifteen about books, five about movies, and it's like, oh yeah, no, I need to like get your thoughts on the football team real quick before mm-hmm. I get out of here. But he was talking about Indiana Jones in that scene where um you know the guys kind of doing all the sword tricks and getting all crazy with the sword and all right, that right. kind of stuff, and and, then and Aranda was like the gun. Right. And Aranda was like, you know, we kind of see that guy doing all the sword stuff at TCU and at Texas and Oklahoma. And we're like, man, that's cool. Yeah. How cool is that? Let's do more of that. And we got out of the whole like, we just have a gun in our pocket. 
you know, and like <laughs> Baylor wants to be the team in the big 12 with the gun in their pocket where maybe they don't do all the sexy, cool stuff. Maybe they don't score 55 points a game. Maybe they don't throw the ball all over the yard and, and, and get a bunch of big plays and stuff, you know, right. but they can, they can, <laughs> they can get you, you know, yeah. because like they, they are going to be the bullies of the big 12. That's what they want to be. And so we'll see if a reloaded offensive line and a loaded running game can kind of get them back into their identity because we talk about the offensive line. Uh, mm-hmm. But when they won the Big 12, they only allowed 30 points or more one time. And that was to TCU and that that loss to Chandler Morris when he went off. Last year, it was like six or seven times they allowed 30 or more points. And so uh, they need to get better defensively as much as they need to improve offensively. Yep. Uh, lastly, we didn't talk about this, but the transfer portal naturally, or we didn't talk about this before the show, I should say. Um, the tra- transfer port- or the spring game naturally brings out the transfer portal again. Uh, uh, depth charts getting finalized. Um, I should say, I should let everybody know Grant Gannell, of course, from UNT uh, was the kind of the last high profile one uh, to come out from the state of Texas. Um, I can't say too much right now, but I will say keep an eye on him to maybe potentially possibly stay in the state. Um, There's some there's some chatter going on there. Uh, Is there any team good or bad (laughs) right now that you see that we'll hear kind of portal activity for soon, whether it's guys leaving or them just like absolutely going to the portal you know i i guess a&m's kind of already done that with how mm-hmm. many guys that ha- have left there but I, I think there'd be an argument to be made in a in a good one in college station that most of those guys they wanted out of the program right like right. talent doesn't always equal uh being a good fit inside of a locker room and i do feel they feel uh, like they're in a better position now than they were this time last year with just with the roster and who's there and who's not sure. uh in terms of guy, the team that needs to go sign a bunch of people, make an impact in this second portal window. For me, it's Houston. Yeah, you know they their Cougars are they're entering the Big Twelve, and they don't really know exactly what they have. You know, they got 17, 18 guys showing up in the summer that they're counting on. Uh, spring was hard for them numbers wise. They had a decent amount of, of dudes leave either you know organically because of lack of eligibility or through the portal uh, before spring practice, um, and they have five spots available for offensive linemen. You know, whether they fill all five or not, I don't know. Oh, uh, but to me, that illustrates that you have some open open scholarship possibilities and, and a lack of depth on the offense, offensive line. And moving into the Big 12, you know, having this runway into it and, and all the excitement and the expectations in Houston for this moment, you don't want to lose the city. You don't want to lose that support as soon as you get it back. It feels like one of those years where you don't have to go 10 and 2. Right. But you need to keep everybody engaged and have a solid season. And I don't know, the, the closer and closer we get to magazine print, the the tougher and tougher it is for me to see a real route for the Cougars to have success, unless they really have a great portal in these next couple of weeks and they add some dudes that are that are instant playmakers. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of seeing it not to a – Houston's not as bad as this team, but well, Colorado's the, the, the team that's in the news right now where I think they lost 18 players since their spring game. Yeah, um, yeah, which 40, 42 since Sanders has been there. That's insane. Um, which again, Houston's not necessarily kicking guys out, but like the, the anytime you need to bring in that many guys, right? Like that's just like you're going into a wild, wild west scenario where it's like, yeah, okay, you have four months to teach all these guys how to play together, basically. So obviously, Houston's not having to add that many, but regardless, if you're if you're having to add three offensive linemen to a unit and have them be ready to go June, July, August, boom, let's go, right? That's 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 a huge step up. And that's not the position you want to go portaling for. No, 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 no. There's not many teams don't let those do any go. quality offensive linemen in the portal. There are, there are below average portal offensive linemen getting bags at 
power five schools and stuff that do not belong there. Yeah. Right. It's like, you weren't that good at FIU. How are you mm-hmm. going to that place? You know, like I, right. I watch this stuff. Like I, yeah. like, that's just that it, it is the, it is an obvious example of supply demand and how markets can shift and stuff. Cause you can find a wide receiver that go get you 50 catches today. You know, like the big yeah. Lebowski finding a toe, like yeah. I can get you one of those by 5. PM. Uh, but finding a quality Big 12 solid offensive lineman in the second portal window is going to be a heck of a heck of a journey. Yeah, uh, Tommy Brockermeyer's and Logan Pars don't all don't just fall from the tree. Those are like very unique situations uh, to where they just happen. And they don't do it in May. <laughs> right, exactly. They're yeah. already there. Yeah, if they, if they yeah. If you're going to find them, that's going to be in in December and January. It's not going to be in April or May. Most likely, you may find one. Finding three, yeah. four, five is going to be impossible. Speaking of wide receivers, uh, Caleb Burton just entered the portal from Ohio State. So there's a former hey, Texas Del- player, former Texas high school player right there, uh, former Lake Travis guy. Del Valley, Texas, right? Yeah, yeah. Like or Del Valley to Lake Travis. Um, but yeah, so I'm curious. Mm, Interesting. His dad right. just took a head coaching job in in I think Pflugerville Connolly. So I don't know if he's tied to home at all. So we'll see. That that's an interesting name to watch. Potentially get back in yeah. uh, get back in the state. It's so Dave Aranda, Dave Aranda on line one. I was about to say, yeah, that, that wouldn't be a bad fit at all um so yeah like i said well let's say we got the draft thursday uh we'll come back with some 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 quick thoughts on that uh next week and that should do it for us uh let's see craven where are you at at the magazine right now how you have you have you spiraled out of control yet i have eight sections in for first okay. review mm-hmm. uh, uh probably we're gonna get one more in by the end of today so you know that puts i wanted to be able to do one a day this week and get them done by friday sure that way next week is just all cover story yep 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 so i'm doing pretty feeling pretty good feeling, yeah, feeling yeah. all right I, where I'm i at. turned in my turned in my tech state section um i'm mostly just doing layout stuff now for capsules so uh waiting to get all those in and i, th- I think we actually officially got all the capsules in today so that's actually pretty cool uh, this is a tough time for me though because it's when i start feeling like i stink because you have because you're you're kind of done with most of your stuff well, because like you just turn in so much content. Yeah. That like, I mean, every writer hates their own stuff, you know? Right, so like right, you're right. you're turning in so much that you're like, I'm gonna be the reason that Dave Campbell's Texas football just completely dives off a cliff after 60 years. It's <laughs> it's gonna come down to me, you know, messing up the Sam Houston section or something because the portal scares the crap out of me. Right, right. That's it's it's always the portal, man. It's it's such a you a know you beast make these predictions in April over like wins and losses. And then you like write a whole offensive section, the defensive section. And as you're writing it, you're like, well, if one of these guys transfers, like, well, then what do I do? You know? And so I'm hoping the window allows us a little bit of grace this year. You know, last year it was just wild West. They could enter on a random Tuesday whenever they wanted to, you know, Katie Davis. Hello. Uh, But hopefully this year we have a better idea uh, by June 1st, we're just going to have to be doing a lot of editing and revising and stuff between now and then. And that scares the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, that'll be most of our, a lot of red lining and a lot of red pen uh, going onto these, these uh, yeah. sheets. So I'm um, trying to think that'll do it. Yeah. That'll do it for us. Be sure to subscribe to the Republic of football uh, network on everywhere you get your podcast. It should be actually the Republic of football network. Now uh, when you search for it, course if you're on spotify i think i think this is something with apple engine spotify you should be starting to see the thumbnails of each individual show 
Um, and so that's something really cool that we're adding. So yeah, if you know that you're listening to the gambling gauchos, it should pop up on your Spotify feed. I think everywhere else, but Apple, I'm not sure. I'll have to double check on that, but regardless, uh, go subscribe to that and go listen to all the shows. Cause yeah, we are still working and churning out all the content. So should be getting a new episode of eyes of Texas. By the time this one goes up, uh, this Republic of football, I should say this Republic of football goes up. We should have a new eyes of Texas coming up. Uh, and I think that'll be it for us. Yeah, go rate all that stuff, um, leave a review. That helps us in the algorithm to help us boost the numbers and help us uh, help you guys and pump out more content. As you've seen on Text Football Today, by the way, they've started to have hosts of the other show as a guest. So go listen to those episodes as well. Get yourself familiar with some of the other guys on the other shows. I believe Melissa Tribwasser of uh, TCU was on there. Jay Arnold was on there uh from the aggie pod and then jacob rodriguez as well from texas state they've all been on so uh yeah go support them and go listen to those interviews as well go subscribe to all their shows and follow them on social media uh by the way i I haven't plugged this we do have a hub page now on the website for republic of football let me get the exact uh url it is rof-network texasfootball.com slash rof-network that should be uh kind of your homepage and hub for everything from all the host names to their social medias, all that stuff to the individual shows. Uh, We'll continue to add that as we add shows and content. So that being said, from Mike Craven, from Mallory Hartley, I'm Ishmael Johnson. Please, Jimbo Fisher, give us a call. We have talked to 11 of the 13, 12 of the 13? 12 of the 13. 12 12 of the 13. 13. That's also (laughs) true for the magazine as well. (laughs) That's... That rules. He's on brand, at least, at the very least. Um, 12 of the 13 head coaches have talked to us on the show and in the magazine. Uh, and as usual, go Rutgers.